0: Hey, uh, so before we get into this, uh, let me just talk about what we, what we just saw in here. This weekend is getting better and better for me because let me tell you a story that yesterday I didn't get to tell, but I, when I got home, I got this text, it, 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 and it goes like this, is that, that one of our campuses, somebody reached out to their neighbor and got him to go to Flatirons for the very first time. They had nothing, they didn't know who Flatirons was or anything, and they came and they sat in here and they watched that video, the, the guest did, and he leaned over to the, board, the man who brought him and said, that's my brother. God's doing something in that young man's life, in that family's life. And, and I just want to say thank you, Flatters, for making that possible. Thank you, God Behind Bars. Here at the Lafayette campus on the, on the second row is Jake Bodine. He founded uh, God Behind Bars. Jake, will you stand up so we can honor you? Yeah. He didn't know I was gonna do that, but... Uh. So, so two months ago, I, I had the honor of going out there at, to All is Bright at Lyman Correctional Facility. Um, We're 26 inmates, 25 of whom are in for life. I met one young man who's in for 1,100 years, all right? Um, he's, they're not getting out, but for, they, they were given a, a chance to be reunited with their family, some for the first time ever, meeting their grandchildren or holding their own, their own children. And this is the first time an event like this has ever been held in a maximum security prison. I mean, it's been held in different places, but this is the first time. And, and, and because of, I, I think, our great volunteers, you, you pulled it off without a hitch. But I just want you to think about this, all right? For, for four hours that Monday night, these men... Um, they got to just be husbands again, just be, you know, dads, just be sons, just be, uh, be, 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 be br- brothers. For, for for some, for some of those kids, it's the first time they met their dad They're, on that runway. There, I watched this one uh, young man. He he didn't know what to do, and he stuck out his hand, and his and, and his dad just embraced him. It was. I saw y'all crying, wimps. Uh, <laughs> For, for a few minutes, uh, that, that tough tattooed outer armor was replaced with tears and laughter and, and rocking babies and playing with Barbies. Barbies are huge in prison. It's, uh, you know, he, here's what I mean, all the stuff that we're gonna do Wednesday morning that we take for granted, right? So it was my time, You know, they said, to, hey, Pastor Jim, can you welcome everybody and pray for this feast we're about to have? And so here's what I did. I walked up uh, by this big Christmas tree and this gymnasium, uh, it's the same place that, we're, uh, that we have church every Saturday night out there, but um, uh, this had been transformed into this Christmas wonderland. And, I, and so I looked at all these tables full of, uh, of, of families and I said, hey, can we just take a time out and just be still for a second? Because there's certain moments you don't wanna miss. You don't wanna rush through them. And here's what I said. I want you to think back to a time, it might've been weeks ago, months ago, decades ago, I don't know, when when what's happening right now wasn't possible. It wasn't even a dream. And I watched all these families start nodding their heads like, yeah, no way we saw this coming. And then I reminded them. And I know that some of those men are listening to me right now and their families are listening to me around the the country so I wanna re-remind them of this, this is the kind of God we have. See, we have a God who specializes in making impossible things possible because we have a God who is good and he loves us and if he he wants good for us, and if, if good God wants something impossible to happen in your life, who's gonna stop him? He's God, right? Now hold on to that, okay? Because I know that you know, some of the stuff I've said or some of the stuff you've watched on, on the screen, it might stir up a lot of different stuff for us, some, some energy for some of us. Like, like while, while we were able to serve 26 men and their families out at Lyman, that also meant that 1,000 men out at Lyman weren't even given a chance. That doesn't seem fair. Or, or here's what's going on with some of us even sitting and listening to my voice right now. Um, we or somebody that we care about was hurt or worse by somebody who's now in prison, and now you're sitting here going, and we're gonna have a party for people who hurt me or hurt people I love. That doesn't seem fair, right? And, and here's, what, here's what some of us are thinking. I'm serving a life sentence because I'm never gonna get back what I, what I lost. Facing the future feels impossible. You ever been there? See, if I were to go up and down the rows of, of this room or whatever room's listening to me or in the other side of the world, sitting in your living room, whatever that, that is, and I were to ask this question, we would find out that every one of us has something or someone that we've written off and gone, well, that's just never gonna happen, right? That's just impossible. You have yours and I have mine. I want you to hold on to that. So, so last week, I, this didn't happen very often, but, um, Fox 31 called and said, can we interview you? I'm like, about what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? Uh, they said about Christmas. I'm like, that's cool. We'll do that. And so, so, um, so they, they sent a crew over here. And, and so they, this is a question they asked me. They said, Jim, why are people so captivated by the idea of Christmas? Because we are. I mean, we're over the top. All right. Uh, Christmas is just, it's just, it's just, it's just true. I mean, I mean, well, there's a few of you out there that are Scrooges who hate Christmas and we'll pray for you. Maybe, all right, um, but, but Christmas, Christmas is the biggest holiday. It's the biggest, most important season. It's the biggest event of the year, and I don't even know it would be a close second. I mean, I love, I love most all of our holidays. I, I love the 4th of July. I'm that guy, all right? On um, the 4th of July, I'll put my American flag out. I will shoot off some fireworks in Wyoming. Uh, <laughs> there's cops in the room. All right, um, uh, or I'll go to the golf course and watch them blow stuff up, but you know what? You know what I don't do uh, on 4th of July? I don't reenact war, you know, famous battles. I don't have statues of famous soldiers around my my living room, but at Christmas I do. I I was sitting in my living room yesterday and I counted, we have 15 nativity sets in my living room. That's all the shelf space we have. There's 30 more in boxes downstairs, all right? Here's the tragic part, three of them are missing baby Jesus. (laughs) Seems important, you know? We did some research. Apparently, uh, our our old lab, uh, Gertie, ate baby Jesuses. I'm not saying that's why she died this year, but um, don't judge me. Do the math. You eat baby Jesus, boom. It just happens, all right? I love Valentine's Day, but honestly, I don't know who St. Valentine's was, is. I, I really don't care. Here's all I know about St. Valentine's Day. There's this one day of the year in February, if I do everything right, my chances of getting lucky go way up. Man, can I get an amen? Come on, all right. Some of you men are been me going, well, whatever, yeah. Uh, I get it. Um, uh, Christmas is just in its own category. Like, Christmas literally translates out of the, the Latin, Christ Day. It memorializes the birth of Jesus coming into the world. But here's what we all know is true. People who don't even believe in Jesus, they, they get caught up in Christmas, right? I mean, e- even people of different faith systems Look over at this Christmas thing going on and go. We want, we want a piece of that, and they'll invent their own holidays just to go. Oh, we we want in on that, and I think that that's fine. But but they eventually somehow they incorporate in the same theme and the idea that that we have in Christmas. Why? Why is Christmas such a big deal? And and not just Christmas. I mean, how about Christmas Eve? That's that's even more like special. I mean, Christmas, this is what Christmas has been in my house at least for the last 35 years. It's this mad scramble of people like wrestling and fighting going, give me that, I'm first, it's my turn. And, and, then, and then we all run in the kitchen and try to fix food because relatives are coming over. We have to pretend like we like them for like four hours before they go home. But, you know, it's true. Uh, um, but Christmas Eve is different. Why? And why do we have a Christmas Eve? Nobody else's birthday gets an Eve. Like, I, I'm born on April 5th. There's not been one April 4th where we've all gathered together in a circle and sang songs about Jimmus. You know, we've just, we just never done that, all right? Um, but Christmas Eve is different. I'm, I'm gonna use the word. I, I think Christmas sometimes feels like it's magical. I said that last night, and this little girl over here in the room going, uh-huh, <laughs> it's like, easy, all right? Um, it, it, it does feel magical. Like, like every Christmas movie you watch or every Christmas you know, show you watch from, 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 uh, Home alone to, you know, the Grinch, whatever that is, something magical happens on Christmas Eve. Why is that? That's when the, well, you know, in the, towards the end of the movie, the door opens and the long lost soldier that you never thought you'd see again walks in the door. How are you here? It's Christmas Eve. It's, it's, it's when reindeer land on roofs all over the world in like six hours. It's, it's like, who does, it's, it's, just, that doesn't normally happen. But on Christmas Eve, it's like magic. I grew up thinking Christmas Eve was magic. I remember, so I'm a pastor's kid, and I remember when I was like six or seven years old, I saw this movie, and I can't find it. If you know what this movie is, tell me, all right? But in this movie, um, it, it kind of gave off this uh, idea that at Christmas Eve at midnight, animals can talk. I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. All right, and so I'm a pastor's kid, so we got drug off the Christmas Eve service and the candlelight stuff and all that stuff that we're gonna do here in a few minutes, and, and then we got home, you know, Christmas Eve night, and usually I just go right to bed so we can get up and do presents, but I made myself stay up. I made myself stay up. I stayed up till midnight, not, not so I could catch the going up to Santa Claus. I, I stayed up because I had kidnapped my sister's Pekingese. I had a plan. <laughs> so I'm, on, I'm, I'm laying on the bed, and it's like the, 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 the clock you know, strikes midnight, and I look at Susie, that's her name, all right, I look at Susie and go, Say something. Say something, I won't tell anybody. Come on, just say something. And she looks back at me like, <sighs> like there's something wrong with me. <laughs> there's not. Um, I just want something magical to happen, it didn't happen. I, I now know the flaw in my system though, okay? If I could get a do-over, right? Think about it, Pekingese are Chinese. <laughs> She didn't speak English, all right. So, so, so now this is what I do. I go, hey, Susie, ni hao, all right. Now, that's act, I, Ling, my friend at Colorado Walk, taught me that. So, next Christmas Eve, all right. So, so I know weird adult, weird kid. It works that way. Uh, anyway, um, how do we get here? Oh, the interview. Okay. So I was asked that. Why are people? Why are people, I'm on meds. I need more. I. Uh, why are people so captivated by Christmas? And so I looked at Jeremy and here's what I said to, to, to him. I said, I, here's what my, I think. I think because Christmas is about hope. That's why I think we love it so much. I think Christmas is about hope. See, on the very first Christmas ever, the impossible happened. And I talked about this last week, but even if you weren't here last week, I think you're gonna, you're gonna nod your head and, and, and agree with me in this. It goes like this. Sometimes in life, it's really hard to believe in God, let alone believe that God is good or that he loves you or that he cares or wants good for your life. It's really hard to believe that's true when your life is not good, doesn't feel good. It's hard, it's painful, it's confusing. And I'm not talking about you had a bad day or a bad week. You've had a bad stretch, a bad run, right? A bad decade. It's hard hard to believe that's true. You know what, I, I think that would describe how the people around Bethlehem felt that night back in Bethlehem. I still think that that's how a lot of people in Denver or whoever's listening to my voice around the world, I think that's how we still feel today, isn't it? I remember the, the very first talk I ever gave at Flatiron is like 14 years ago, and, uh, and so I, I was talking about those nativity scenes because we've had them around the house for a while, and, and here was the instruction. I want everybody to go home and get a little paintbrush and paint the beards off of your, your, your shepherds because it's not accurate. See, um, the, the shepherds in the Bible, they were not these old, wise sages with long beards sitting out in a, in a field pondering the universe. No, they were, they were probably junior high kids. I've been all around the world, and I've seen shepherds in all, all over the world and in, in the Middle East. They were probably like 10, 11, 12-year-old boys, and they were probably orphaned, and the reason they were orphaned is because when, when, when the Roman Empire invaded the Middle East, Jesus wasn't the only person they crucified. They crucified thousands, executed them, and then took all the women they captured and just took them into slavery for their own, for their own use. And so now you've got a 10 year old, little 11 year old boy trying to survive, survive out there. What's he going to do? He's going to sell himself to a local sheep farmer so he doesn't starve to death. Right? Doesn't sound real real hopeful. Sounds pretty dark. And and think about this. The, The reason there's so many, I mean, if you've read the Bible at all, on every other page, there's a shepherd. You notice that? There's sheep everywhere. Why are there so many sheep and shepherd stories in the Bible? And here's the reason. Because by the time Jesus shows up in Bethlehem, the entire culture was kind of centered around a culture that assumed people are really bad and God is really angry and disappointed in them. But if they could sacrifice enough sheep on an altar in a temple, maybe that would temporarily push back God's anger and his punishment. So speaking for myself, you're gonna need a lot of sheep, right? Every t- I sinned, kill a sheep. I sinned, kill a sheep. Doesn't sound real hopeful. Sounds pretty dark. So on that very first Christmas, we've all heard the story, when those angels show up and announce um, the impossible just happened, what? Unto you a child is born, unto us a son is given, And his name is Emmanuel, God with us, God with flesh on. The question is, where is he? He's right over there in Bethlehem laying in a manger and he will grow up and he will make impossible things possible. And you gotta think, you gotta think that in that moment, some lost hope came back. Maybe. Maybe an orphan kid sitting out there going, nobody cares about me. Everybody's given up on me. I am on my own and that's my whole life. Maybe for a moment they thought, Maybe that could work for me. Maybe all those people walking around thinking there's not enough sheep to take care of my, my darkness, maybe for a minute they just thought to themselves, maybe hope is on the way. I, I'm, I wanna ask you a question, it's pretty intrusive. Have you ever lost hope? Given up? I have, I have. Like, have you or, or do you right now have something in your life that you've wanted to happen for a long time and it hasn't happened and the logical conclusion is it's not gonna happen, maybe for other people, but probably not for someone like you. Anyone, anyone been there? Yeah, me too. So some of you know um, that I've been gone for the last six months on this thing called sabbatical, which translates a season of resting, but sabbatical for me was, translates a season of wrestling with God in my own darkness, Probably about three months into it, um, uh, I hit bottom. I hit rock bottom, I, I, I thought I'd lost everything. I, I thought I'd lost this, I thought I'd lost my ministry, I thought I'd lost my career, I thought I'd lost my job, I thought I'd lost my friends. And here's the thing, is, I made stories up in my head that says the next time you go to a, an elders meeting, they're gonna say, okay, we gotta tell you something, you're done, here's some money, just go away. Now, it was never true, but have you ever noticed that you can believe things that aren't true when you're in the darkness, anybody, right? I mean, I was embarrassed by everything. I was ashamed. I thought I'd lost my reputation. I thought I'd lost my integrity. I thought I'd lost my future, but even worse, I thought I had lost part of my family, and I don't really wanna live without my family. So I worked hard. I did everything I, I, everything I, I knew to do, everything I was told to do. And I remember saying to my, to my counselor, I said, I said babe, listen, I feel like I've walked around like buck naked for the last four months. It's burying my soul. There's another shameful part. And then every time somebody puts a finger in my chest and says, here's another thing you did wrong, I fell on my sword as fast as I could and went, I'm sorry. There's always one more thing, though. There's another thing that I, that I screwed up. But instead of things getting better, things got worse. There's always one more thing to point out that I screwed up. Has anybody ever felt like that? I, I remember in a really, really, really dark moment, I showed up, had an elders meeting, and they could tell, he's not well. And they're right, so they asked, what's going on? And here's... What I said, I promise, I, we'll go have a weekend where I don't cry, but it's gonna be a while. Um, I looked at him and here's what I said. I have no joy. And I don't think it's ever coming back. I feel like my life is just one dark tunnel and when I look down that tunnel, all I see is more tunnel. And every time I think I see a light coming in my direction and have a little bit of hope, it ends up being one more freight train that runs me over and kicks me in the gut. <laughs> There's one more thing I've done wrong. I have no joy, I have no hope it's ever coming back, and I'm about done, I'm about ready to tap out, and just, I can't do this anymore. Anybody ever felt like that? So guy, the guys gathered around me, and they put their hands on me, and they prayed for me, and I told them I felt better, which wasn't true. Um, this is what you're supposed to say at elders' meetings, but, um, but I was dark. You, you, know, you know what that feels like. L- later that day, um, I Facetime my friend James Henderson, one of my best friends, he lives out in Mexico City, he's kind of a spiritual director in my life, and I said, hey James, buddy, I, I'm, I'm stuck, I'm, I'm almost done. I, I feel stuck in, the, in, like, in this dark tunnel. At the same time, I'm reading a book called Dark Night of the Soul. That's a happy read, I promise. Uh, so, so James, I'm just stuck. And so James, James listened for a while, and then James did what he always does, he's the most Christ-like person I've ever met in my life. He asked me the same old question, Jim, what does God think of you? He loves me. What does God want for you? He wants good for me, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, right? So it's like, I know that's all true. It just, I, but then he, didn't, he asked one more question that I didn't see coming. He said this. He says, Jim, do you think that good God wants you out of this tunnel or do you think that you're still there because he wants to teach you something? I said, huh? <laughs> I said, I, I, I don't know. I'll pray about it. Which is Christian for No. It, it is, it, 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 just being transparent. Um, <laughs> so I had to think about it. I haven't changed one bit, have I? Um, you know what, James was right. There was something that God wanted me to learn. And when I learned it, it changed how I saw everything. It changed my life. And, and now you will tell us what that is. And, I, and I'm gonna tell you the first weekend in January, uh, 4th, January 4th and 5th. That is a shameless ploy to get you to come back to church. I'm not gonna tell you what he taught me. <laughs> that's a commercial, you have to come back, it's good. Um, now here, here's, seriously, the reason I'm not gonna tell you um, what God wanted me to learn is because then you'll walk out of here saying, well that's what this whole message was all about. And listen, um, the thing that God wants to teach you and the thing that God wants to teach me are probably very different things. So don't let my truth hijack yours. God wants to teach you something. Here's, Even though those two things may be very different, here's what both you and I do have in common. If it's not right now, it's a matter of time, all right? It is a matter of time until you find yourself in a long, dark tunnel. Right? Some there right now. So a few weeks ago, I found out a friend of mine was going through a very, very similar dark season of his life. He was... He was overwhelmed with fear and confusion and panic and anxiety. And, and when I found out about it, um, I, I sent him a text and I copied and pasted it, I'm, I'm gonna read it to you. I said, hey, uh, buddy, Tim here from Flatirons. First, thanks for reaching out back in June. Honestly, I was pretty much curled up in a ball, trying not to die, so I didn't respond much to anybody, but thank you. Now I hear you're walking a similar path. The path where you look down the tunnel and all you see is more tunnel and that light turns out to be a freight train ready to deliver another load of crushing weight. And then in parentheses, I wrote this. Wow, that was more than I set out to write. You ever wanna unsend? Um, Anyway, not sure if you can or wanna respond, but if you do, I'd love to listen to someone who can say something close to me too. But don't give up yet. Eventually, just when you're about to quit, the light coming at you turns out to be the face of Jesus. So don't give up. We have a lot of people here for the first time or first time in a long time. Maybe, maybe you just got caught in traffic. I thought this was the mall. Um, <laughs> welcome, uh, you're welcome here. Um, so let me just t- kind of tell you about the church you're in. Uh, let me tell you about the church you're not in. See, we're, we're not that church that says if you just had enough faith or if you had more faith, you wouldn't have any dark tunnels in your life or if you did, it would be a really short tunnel. It wouldn't last long. We're not that church. We're we're not the church that teaches you that if you really love Jesus, at least the right way, God will keep all the freight trains from running over you. What do you mean by that? He'll keep the cancer and the car wrecks and the addictions and the heartbreak away. Wouldn't that be great? And I would teach that, except I just can't find it in the Bible, right? What I do find in, in the Bible is a God who is good and who loves us and who wants good for us and keeps his promises, one of which is this, when you are afraid, not if, when you are afraid, Whatever dark tunnel you find yourself in, he'll say the same thing to you that he said 2,000 years ago to some very, very afraid people. He'll say the same thing to you that he said to Mary. What do you mean? Mary, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, he loves you. What's that gonna look like? Jesus is on the way. He'll say the same thing to you that he would say to, 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 to Joseph, who's who just found out that his fiance is pregnant and claims that she's pregnant by God. That's a stretch. I mean, that's hard to believe, right, right? And here's what what, what, what the angel says to Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your, as your, as your wife. Why? Because Jesus is on the way. he say the same thing to you right now that, that he said to those shepherds 2,000 years ago who, who are out there thinking, my life is just, dark. He'd say this to you. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What do you mean? Jesus is right over there. He's here with us. See, here's what I believe, all right? And you don't have to believe this, but here's what I believe. I I believe Christmas isn't magical because magic can't be explained. I, I believe Christmas is a miracle. I can explain it. See, Christmas is a time when God did the impossible, when God himself took on flesh and came to us in our dark tunnel, and, and he said, I'm right here. I, I, I'm right here, and I'll walk through the darkness with you. I'll walk through the dark tunnel with you. As a matter of fact, with you is my name, God with us, Emmanuel, he's right here. So every year we do this, and we're gonna do this till they haul my dead carcass out of here. This is, this is the most beautiful moment of the entire year for me. Um, Every year we light candles, why do we do that? To remind us, and I guess this would be my Christmas prayer for you, my Christmas wish, whatever, you, um, and if it's not today, just file this away. If your life feels like a long, dark tunnel, right? You're facing some hard stuff, cancer, car wrecks, your finances are gone, somebody you love just died, hard marriage, hard divorce, Heart addiction, don't know where your kids are, don't know where your parents are, and life is really, really, really scary. And when you look down that tunnel, all you see is more tunnel. Here's my wish and my prayer for you. Don't give up. Not yet, keep going. Because eventually, the light at the end of the tunnel, it's not a freight train. It's gonna be Jesus. And, And here's what, What makes that so important? And I'm gonna paraphrase, which means I'm gonna take some Bible verses and I'm gonna put them in my own words and not change the meaning, but this is how it kind of makes sense in my head. You can see on the screen here, uh, it says this, uh, in Jesus is life and that life is the light, which means in darkness, it's death. Dark tunnels are death. And and that, that light is available to every person who wants it. And that includes you. The light of Jesus shines in your dark tunnel and the darkness has not, cannot, and will not overcome it. And and if, if that's true, if Jesus can keep that promise, then maybe you can have, ready? Hope. Which is why I believe Christmas is about hope. So whatever your dark tunnel, do not be afraid. Jesus isn't just on the way. He's with us. He's right here. Don't give up. So here's what we're gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing "Silent Night" because we love Jesus, and that's what you do. Um, but then I, I'm gonna go down and light some candles, and then at all of our campuses, uh, this light's gonna spread through through this whole city right now. You know, and around the world. But here's what I want you to do as we're singing "Silent Night." I want you to just stare at the light. You know, I spend so much of my time staring at darkness. Just stare at the light. When you stare at the light, you know what happens? All the darkness just goes away. It's kind of the same with Jesus. And then when all of our lights come together, the whole world gets better. So Father God, in this moment, this this silent, holy moment, I just say thank you. Thank you for not waiting for us to find our way out of the darkness or stumble out of a tunnel. You came to us in our tunnel. You came to us in our darkness and in our brokenness, and you said, I'm right here. As a matter of fact, I've always been here. You just... You just missed me, but I am right here. God, I I pray right now that anybody that feels like, I don't know if I can keep on going. I feel like my life is a life sentence, literally. I, I, I pray that you'll do what only you can do through your spirit, and that is whisper to our hearts, don't give up, don't be afraid. I'm right here, and I'll walk through the tunnel. Even if it's the valley of the shadow of death, I will walk through this tunnel with you because that's who I am, and I love you, and I'm good, and I want good for you. So we light a candle and we sing Silent Night and we remember Jesus. In his name I pray, amen.